God. Thanks be to God. This morning, I want to invite us to pray together. So would you pray with me? Loving and gracious God, we give thanks that you reveal yourself in all sorts of ways. We gather this day to hear a word from you, to give praise to you, and in hopes to become just a little bit more like your love in the world. So we pray that you would do that for us today. Inspire us, move us, change us. And that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. Amen. So, one of the things that uh, is unique about this calling to be a pastor is that you hear sorts of, like, phrases that people have um, that otherwise I think lots of people um, might not hear on a regular basis. And one that I hear uh, probably on a uh, at least a monthly basis is I'll be having a conversation with someone and then all of a sudden they slip a word that they don't want to say in front of a pastor right? And so all of a sudden they'll be like talking and then there's a like, we'll be like having a natural conversation and then they'll like give a little bleep word and they'll be like, oh, sorry, sorry, I, I didn't mean to say that. But even more that expands on it when you find yourself in church, like in the building. Like I have heard a number of times that people have this sort of phrase, oh shoot, I probably shouldn't have said that in church, right? Like, has anyone ever said that phrase before? Yeah, I know. There, some of you, it was your conversation with you that you said, ah, I just probably shouldn't have said that. And, you know, like, there is some truth to this, but let's unpack that theologically just for a moment. What are we saying when we say that there's, like, things that we aren't supposed to say around a pastor, but more importantly, things that we're not supposed to say in church? Like, I kind of laugh at it a little bit in my head because it's almost as if, like, when we walk into this building, like, God's got a mic magnifying glass on us, right? That, like, everything you say, do, or think now that you're in this building is being, like, tuned straight into God's channel that he's watching on TV, right? Or, like, God's watching on TV. You know, like, we just think that, like, all of a sudden, like, there's these extra eyes on us. But the irony, right, is that, why would God be only watching us in the church versus anywhere else in our life? Yeah? Do you ever think about that? Have you ever said that phrase? Like, why would God be watching us here as opposed to watching us when we're at work or watching us when we're out and about? And let's be clear, okay? I don't think that God's watching us to know, like, the proper words that we're saying or not. One of my favorite professors in divinity school, his name was Stanley Hauerwas, and he was known for having the mouth like a sailor. I mean, no offense, sailors in the room. I'm sorry, but I know, right? The mouth like a sailor. Like, so he would literally, like, swear in front of the class during, like, lectures and everything from an F-bomb to, like, you name it, like, he will say in there. And the reason being is he says that I was raised by bricklayers. And bricklayers shaped me and formed me, and so I'm not going to lose my tradition just for the sake of your tradition. <laughs> just for the sake of your tradition. So he used it in class, and there was no problem. So I, all that to say, I don't think God is watching us for what is said or not said. I think that God is present with us in all places. In fact, our sermon series that we find ourselves in is called The Green Bible, A 
trail guide. Because we're talking about how God is in all things. And that God has made all things good. And we're talking about our interconnectedness to God and to creation. Our VBS theme for this week was chosen to be a green-based VBS theme. We're we're looking at, and you can kind of see behind me, if I actually let me just move the stand so you can actually see it, right there, right? It's renew. It's talking about planting seeds within our lives that will grow and that God will nourish us. But you want to know the irony about this VBS thing? You would think that this is just normal, right? But did you know that many of our kids don't know a lot about planting seeds or tending to gardens? Yeah? Did you know that? Some do. But by and large, over the past few decades, we have become more and more disconnected from regular things like planting. So I'm going to age myself just a tiny bit and talk about how growing up in Minnesota, there was the weirdest thing that happened. There were things in the supermarket during certain seasons, and then there were things in the supermarket at other seasons. And did you know that strawberries were not very plentiful in January in Minnesota? Did you know that? And did you know that corn on the cob is only when it comes from someone's truck that they're selling by the side of the road, not what you find in the supermarket? Just clearing that out. So when you find it in the supermarket in Hawaii, it's probably not corn on the cob. It's like some, some like alternative to that. Joking, it's not, but it, that's my Minnesota roots. You can laugh with it. But the point being is that there was a time when I remembered seasons in a grocery store. But now I can walk into Costco at any time of the year and I can get my blueberries, my raspberries, my bananas, my pineapple. I can get everything because why? We have been able to ship it from somewhere in the world that it is growing and is season. The concept, and I know some of us know this, right? Like it's like, of course, yeah, like the mango season is coming. It's a little late this year, you know, but we know, we know that there's seasons. But for others of us, it's become so normal to have everything we need all year round that we don't even think about what season it is because this is Hawaii, right? We're in the season of summer right now, but it's going to get hotter as we move into the fall, right? We have no idea of what it is. And then to tell our kids, like, even go out into the yard and pick the weeds, right? They'll come back to us with the question is, so which ones are the weeds here, right? Just checking. We as a people are removed from the earth. And the thing is, is that so much of the Bible makes sense only, only when we understand our connection to the earth, when it's part of who we are. So we're going to be telling a story throughout VBS, the parable of the sower. Does anyone know what parable I'm talking about? And it's the idea that Jesus tells a parable where, you know, there's this planter that scatters seed, just kind of throws it out. We're going to talk more about this next week, but throws it out and it lands in different areas. Some areas are fertile and ready and others are not. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to grow and be part of that growth. And we're going to have activities like uh, Stu, who uh, as a landscaper had prepared a plot of land. Conan, do you have a picture up there? 
Yeah, he's going to put it up. He prepared a plot of land yesterday. You can see. This is in our, med- our, our garden up there, our meditation garden. He cleared it out, right? It was all kind of like overgrowth and different things. And he's prepared it. So each of the days, our kids are going to go and they're going to literally like plant something there. It's curated by his uh, masterful landscape design. So we're looking forward to that. But it's curated so that we have an opportunity to plant and to get them connected to that. We're going to be teaching about that in the classrooms because it's foreign for many of us. And we shouldn't be all too surprised within the church that the idea of being connected to the land is foreign because many of us have lived with this theology that has kind of reinforced that. Theology is a fancy word for belief about God. And one of the things that we have in a belief about God is kind of the question that was asked when I was at camp last week uh, at Camp Mokaleia, one of the kids asked, where does God live, right? <laughs> Big question. That's a great question. But the assumption being is that God is kind of out there, right? Somewhere. And we can trace different time periods of how we think about God and where God was. When, when the Bible was written, there was this kind of like somewhat belief that God kind of lived above the sky because the sky was blue and so they thought it was water, right? And it kind of leaked every once in a while, which is what rain is. But God lived up there. I know you laugh, but it's, it's reality. That's what they thought. That God lived up in the clouds. You know, now we have a little bit better idea that there's not like a throne room, you know, in the sky because, you know, there's the sky that leads to the universe, right? And it goes beyond. But we still, when we think of God, we think of this like sort of abstract, like this like being that's out there somewhere. But many times throughout the Bible and the scripture reading from this morning kind of tells us the opposite, that God is not out there, but God is there, in creation itself. God shows up in a burning bush of all places and doesn't reveal God's self like outside, so much so that God says, you know, this is holy ground. Take off your sandals, Moses, because you are approaching God. And Moses, with the reverence, you know, turns his face so as to not see God who is revealing God's self in, not beyond the burning bush. And it's not the only time in Scripture when God shows up in creation. Later on, of course, God comes in Jesus. God shows up in a pillar of fire, pillars of fire. God shows up over and over again in these movements of creation. Last week, we talked about God making all things good and that everything upon the earth is good. And do we stop and see the goodness of all of creation? My question today is just kind of a baby step further. Not only do we see all of creation as good, but do we find God in creation? I think I'd be hard-pressed to find many of us that don't see some sort of divine in nature. I think one of the most common phrases for why people don't come to church, especially in Hawaii, is that they're out hiking, or they're out swimming, or they're out enjoying, what? God's creation. 
and they're finding God in that place. How do we not just see the goodness of God, but find God in all? There's another scripture uh, reading from that I personally love, and if I chose to, which I did because I'm reading it to you right now, is from the book of Colossians. Colossians, starting in chapter 1, verse 15, it says, He, being Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, he, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to him all things. For in him, in Jesus, all things are held together. This is not, for in him we are held together as the church. For in him, in Jesus, all things, all things abide in this event of Christ. And God is not just interested in reconciling you and I, but God is interested in being with all of creation and reconciling all of creation back to God's self. And this belief that we have of God being out there doesn't just carry over to just the idea of God. But for many of us, it comes into how we see ourselves and our bodies and the world around us. For years and years and years, but not all years in the Christian tradition, we've seen this as a body-soul dualism, where you have the things of the spiritual world are abstract and untangible or intangible, and the things of this world are temporary and we can touch and we can feel. And that when we die, our souls will leave. When we think about our faith journey, it's about this sort of abstract spiritual journey, not about a physical one. Throughout the history of the church, our bodies and the world around us have been an important and pivotal role. If any of you have ever spent time in a Roman Catholic church, one of the things I enjoy about worshiping in that context is because in that context, what you do is just as important as what you believe. Because it's not just about this, uh, this belief and this thought of God and this praising God. It's about what your body does. So when you enter into the pew, you genuflect. Fancy word for do the sign of the cross take a little knee. When we pray, we stand, we sit, we kneel. You hold your hands in a certain way when you receive Holy Eucharist, and you're taught to do so. And I'm not trying to say that everything needs to you know, be just like that, but I do think that there's some power in recognizing the tacit holiness, the bodily holiness of our journey. And as you recognize that our bodies play a role, then we recognize that God is more than a being beyond, that God is a being present in the earth. 
that we can see God in the ocean, that we don't just think about God, that we can see God in the mountains, in the animals, in all of creation, because we know that in them, Jesus has hold all of it together. And so I wonder about our wondering sometimes. I wonder how, when the last time that you looked upon a view and not just saw that it was good, but you thought to yourself, what can that teach me about God? What can the tangible earth teach us about the divine? Going back to the supermarket, one of the things that it teaches me is that there is a season for everything, right? That seasons are important within our journey, that God doesn't, there's, God's desire isn't that we always have raspberries at all times of all days. That sometimes going without something is okay, because when we have it again, it makes it all the more joyful and exciting. Can you tell that raspberries are one of my favorite fruit? Yeah. But the seasons matter. When we look upon the ocean, do we recognize characteristics and attributes of God? That there's chaos and rhythm. That there's slow change like the tides and quick changes like the crashing of a wave. So this week, last week my charge was simple, go on a walk look at the goodness of God, find the goodness. Now, this week is to do the same, but this week to question with God, to pray, to discuss with friends. What does creation teach us about God? How is God revealing God's self and God's character and God's hopes for us as humanity through the earth? That's one of the things that we're going to be doing this week with BBS, not just leaving it about planting, but knowing that how we tend for what grows can teach us about God, how God wants us to grow, that sometimes you have to prune in order to keep growing the way that we ought. Simple things that just make sense that we just kind of pass by God is in all and through all. And we can find God and the holy in all places. So let's not worry about what we say in all places. But instead, let's worry about how we might see the divine wherever we go. And friends, it's easy because we live in Hawaii. And the beauty and the majesty is everywhere around us. So go and find it in the stars, in the clouds, in the oceans, in the mountains, in the flowers, in the birds. Wherever you look, God is present, looking to reveal God's mysteries to us here and now. I invite you to pray with me. God of creation, we give thanks that you are not just beyond creation. Like a master clock worker that sets the earth in motion and then steps back. 
but instead you come to be in it. You reveal yourself through the burning bush to Moses. You reveal yourself through your son, Jesus, who is fully God and fully creature, and in whom all the universe finds its being. So help us find you, all the universe. Help us look to see your face in the ocean and the sunset and the stars and the moon. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.